What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. And if you have a copy of the Word of God, coming right back to the book of Samuel this evening. And I appreciate you all being back out on a Sunday night and uh, uh, seeing these young'uns here. And I know it's like having the young'uns in church, and I appreciate seeing them in the service. And uh, our four- and five-year-old, sometimes it's like trying to baptize cats, keeping them still and all that sort of thing. But uh, they've, they've got to learn uh, to sit in what some people call big church. And some places I go, families are separated at church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all that sort of thing. And then little Junior has to start sitting in the big church when he's 10 or 12 years old. And he comes in here and he's like, man, this thing's boring. No sugar, no touchy rolls. And got some youth leader in here doing cartwheels and all this sort of stuff. And all these old people, 25 years old, singing these songs, acting like they just, their, their best hunting dog got killed. And, and no, no one's smiling. Some of you smiling the first time all day. And uh, on the count of three, just turn. And if you don't have a neighbor, uh, look, just look at me. You may frown if you look at me, but on the count of three, just turn to your neighbor and, and smile, okay? Let's, let's have 100% participation on this, okay? On the count of three, y'all already doing it. So, so that's the first time some of you smiled at your wife all year. And so on the count of three, find someone to smile at here this morning, evening. Very good. And uh, a merry heart doeth good. And uh, so, very good. First Samuel 18, are you there this evening? <laughs> Something happened back there. And uh, he found out that, uh, never mind, I better not go to. First Samuel 18, <laughs> verse number one. I'm personally reading through First Samuel. And uh, sometimes when you're reading the Word of God and studying it and just... I hope you have a devotional life. You don't just have a, a three-minute devotion in the morning, but you have a devotional life, a life that's devoted to the Lord. Uh, so many people in America, they just, have, they just have their Christianity on Sunday morning. The rest of the week is theirs. And there's 168 hours in a week. And they feel like they're doing God's service by attending a meeting at 11 o'clock on Sunday. When they leave, they pat themselves on the back, feeling like they've done God a wild favor by showing up in a, a, an assembly on Sunday morning. But we're to have a devotional life. And so sometimes whenever I'm reading and studying and God's speaking to my own heart, I'm trying to discern, is this something that I, is just for me or is it for me and someone else? And, you know, sometimes that's, that's a battle. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's just... Uh, just trying to discern through all that type of thing. And, uh, but I felt at liberty to share with you this morning from 1 Samuel 17 and tonight, 1 Samuel 18. How many of you have ever had a relationship of any type, a friendship, relationship, family member, non-family member, a neighbor, co-worker, some sort of relationship go sour? 
several of you. And we're going to see a relationship here in 1 Samuel 18 uh, in essence go sour. In fact, let's read 1 Samuel 17, verse 55. This is after Goliath has been killed. 1 Samuel 17, verse 55. The Bible says, And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire, find out whose son the stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Could you imagine that? Here's little David. I mean, he's a teenage boy. Just fought Goliath. God allowed him to sink a stone into his forehead. And the Bible says Goliath fell forward. He didn't fall backwards. Typically, if you get hit in the forehead with something, you'd fall backwards. But God just took his face and drove it in the ground. You know, the Bible does not say that when he got hit with the stone that Goliath was dead. He just said he got hit in the head. But when David grabbed Goliath's sword and went over and cut his head off, he was dead. You're not going to get up without your head. <laughs> and now David is walking around with Goliath's head like some men come January and February when they get their deer head back from the taxidermy. I mean, sporting that thing around, the little spike they killed back in the fall. Some of you don't hunt. <laughs> but you understand what's taking place here. I mean, it's incredible. We just read it. We don't even think about it. He's walking around with this giant head who had been opposing Israel defying the great God of Israel, trying to take the Israelites back into slavery, into servanthood. But God brought an incredible miracle. And he walks back into Saul's presence with Goliath's head. Incredible. The Bible says here in verse 58, And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou? Thou young man. And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, Jonathan and David, really, they're, they're similar, but they're not similar. I personally believe Jonathan was a little bit older than David. I'm not going to argue whether he was 5 or 15 years older, but I just personally believe that Jonathan was a little bit older than David. They were close in age. They shared a similarity in as brave, young men, bold, had faith in God, trust in God. 1 Samuel 14, you find Jonathan in his armor bearer 
separating themselves from the Israelite army. Saul is under a pomegranate tree, just kind of hiding out, sleeping, resting, relaxing. He really should have been leading the military battle. But Jonathan understands that there's a Philistine uh, camp out, a garrison, a fortified military outpost that is being uh, erected in Israelite country. And Jonathan has this idea and mentality that these Philistines are not going to move in on my territory, on my watch. So he grabs his armor bearer and says, let's go fight these Philistines. And God brings about a great miracle in 1 Samuel 14. So Jonathan and David share some similarities, but they also share some differences. David is the youngest of Jesse. Not a well-to-do, prominent family like uh, King Saul. Jonathan was a king's son, or David, he's almost like the overlooked son whenever Samuel come to anoint the next king of Israel. But yet this friendship is being put together. Thank God for friendship. If you don't have friends, what does that mean? You do not show yourself what? Friendly. Now, on the count of three, some of you tonight may not participate in this, but you could try a mad preacher face. You can point your finger and get that old preacher face going. On the count of three, let's try it. One, two, three. That's not all that welcoming, isn't it? All these live streamers, you know, they should just be here. It's, uh, isn't it, in a, a face that is smiling, isn't that welcoming? We sang, what was that song we at Calvary? We sang, I'm, I'm happy all the day. We sang that just a moment ago. At the cross. On three out of the, or two of uh, those verses, I turned around to look to see who was happy while they were singing. You smiled, brother. I, I seen a smile on your face. But not too many of you were smiling. <laughs> if, if you do not have friends, it's not everybody else's fault. This is the friendship that God is putting together here. And I understand from Scripture, if you're going to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. David and John, uh, Jonathan were friendly one towards another. Now, there's a lot of liberals out there. Uh, when I talk about liberals, I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about people that act as if David and Jonathan were, had a lifestyle that God does not bless. They had a godly friendship. Let's read on here. The Bible says in verse number 2, And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Notice this in verse 3. This is incredible. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him his own soul, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Jonathan's friendship with David was stronger than jealousy, envy, and ambition. Because technically, 
he could have been in line to be the next king of Israel. But he understood that God's hand, God's anointing was on David and that God had chosen David to be the next king of Israel. And so when he strips himself of these garments, his sword and all this, he's saying to David, you're my friend. I, I, I love you. I, I cherish our, our friendship. I'm not going to let envy get in the way. I'm not going to let jealousy get in the way. I'm, I'm not going to let some carnal fleshly ambition get in the way. He recognized David as God's anointed. How did that come to be? Well, he saw godly character in David. As we're going to read on through this passage this evening, you're going to see a Christ-like godly character in the life of David. He saw uh, good choices. I don't know that he's really known him that long, but he's realized just by his testimony in the midst of a heated battle down in the Valley of Elah, Man, he, he, he chose to be there and he chose to fight the battle because at the, what was at stake, but he chose to do it for the glory of God, not for himself. So his character, his choices, his conduct all demonstrated that God was really David's king. I'm not trying to pretend that David was a perfect Christian. I'm not trying to give the idea that David was spotless and never sinned. We're all sinners. We all stand in need of God's forgiveness. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Old Testament, New Testament alike. So we see Jonathan and David's friendship getting started here. Incredible. Verse number five. And David went out with whoever Saul sent him. And behaved himself wisely. That's the first time that phrase is found. Let's find it again down in verse number 14. The Bible says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 15, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Let's discover it once again at the close of this chapter. Notice verse number 29, the Bible says, And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. That's incredible. David and Jonathan's relationship does not go sour. But Saul allows his relationship with David to go sour. If we backed up to 1 Samuel 16, you find that David is getting yo-yoed back and forth between different groups of people. Uh, old Samuel shows up and he's wanting to anoint the next king of Israel and he has all of Jesse's son passed before him and none of these are the next king. And, and uh, Samuel says to Jesse, is this all of your, your boys here? And he said, no, I, I, David's out there and he's taking care of the, of the sheep. And, and he says, well, fetch him, call for him, bring him. And he anoints him king of Israel. Tending to sheep is difficult. 
But then David gets called to tend to Saul, which eventually turns dangerous. We, we almost look at David's life as it was an easy life because uh, he, he gets to become king and all that sort of thing, but he spent many years of his life on the run in the wilderness as he was being hunted after as prey by King Saul. So Samuel fetches him. Saul calls for him. Then his daddy has him back out taking care of sheep. And then his daddy sends him back off to take care of his brothers by bringing some, some food to them, checking in on the boys, seeing how they're doing. In the midst of that, he realizes, is there not a cause? And he wants to fight for the glory of God. And he, the, the great battle is won. And he is in the, the king's palace. He has been ministering to King Saul via the harp. He's been harping around. <laughs> He's been ministering to the king, soothing his, his evil spirit, trying to warm his heart back up per se. And he's being used of God. He's getting to see what it's like in the king's palace. He's seen Abner come in and out. He's seen other men tend to him. He is seeing the king's behavior. He is beginning a relationship. But because of his godly character, because of his godly conduct, because of his godly choices, the relationship is going to go south and sour. I asked you a moment ago, how many of you have ever had a relationship go south or sour? Nearly every hand went up. If a relationship goes sour because you are determined to have godly character, godly conduct, and godly choices, it's okay. But if the relationship goes sour because you have ungodly character, ungodly conduct, ungodly choices. It's not their fault. It's your fault. It's not God's fault. You have to own up to your own behavior. In other words, tonight the challenge is simply this. Our belief in God must affect our behavior. What we learn to be true about God needs to be translated into our living. You ever hear somebody say the church is full of hypocrites? Oh, please do tell. <laughs> A hypocrite in the church? No, couldn't be. We're, we're, none of us are perfect. But we ought to strive to mature and grow and go and glow as a Christian. We ought to desire to be closer to God in 2024 than we were last year. We ought to determine in 2024 we're going to behave ourselves more wisely in a wicked world, in a wayward world, in a very ungodly world. In a world where there's pornography all over the place and ungodly music and the devil's beverage being sold all over the place and the standards are being lowered 
and where there seems to be immorality and it's just an open sewer of sin in every city, in every county, in every community, all across this country, we as God's people ought to determine, like David, to behave ourselves wisely. Number one tonight, he behaved himself wisely when he became popular and people praised him. Would you notice this in verse number five? The Bible says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. Wow, I just got promoted. I'm not harping around anymore. I'm not just stuck to this harp right here. And I don't even know, you could talk to us about the harp, but he's he's, he's not married to that thing any longer. Now he's over the men of war. That would have been exciting to me. One of my best buds growing up, his daddy was a pastor of Grace Baptist Church, still is today, in, in Nimitz, West Virginia. And my buddy Paul grew up in a, in a, in a pastor's home. I, I grew up in a former military uh, man's home that is now a construction worker. And I, I, I mean, I, when I was younger, I thought, man, I want to jump out of airplanes. I want to repel out of helicopters. I want to throw grenades. I want to shoot RPGs. I want a fully automatic rifle. I want all that secret squirrel stuff. I want to go in behind enemy lines. I want to know what it's like to be on a reconnaissance uh, mission. I, I, I want to do all those kind of things. And Paul's dad, I'm sure, wanted him to follow the Lord and serve the Lord and go on preaching and doing all that sort of thing. Well, I'm preaching and Paul's in the military. <laughs> and I thought, that is pretty interesting. But he is, God gave him a wonderful wife and a beautiful children and, and he is serving God in the capacity that he feels God has led him. But a man of war and being over top of men of war, man, that, man he got a promotion, man, that's exciting. So he's becoming more popular. Notice this. He's a man of war over top of them, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people. He certainly wasn't a Baptist. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Verse 6, And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel. Now when the Bible says all the cities of Israel, I take it to mean there was a group of women from every city in Israel. I, I wouldn't say that it's every woman from every city, but from every city there was a remnant, there was a group that came, that came out and sang his praise. Notice this. Singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets with joy and instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He behaved himself more wisely in the midst of people singing his praises and popularity. The majority of people, whether they're saved or unsaved, cannot handle that. Popularity and the praise of men have ruined a many of preachers. Excuse me, I said that wrong. A many of preachers has allowed praise and popularity to ruin them. We have to make the choice to allow it to to infect us, influence us in our choices. 
So these women, I mean, women are emptying out of these cities and they come in and, hey, that's cute, Saul. You, you, you killed a few. But oh, David, you, you've killed your tens of thousands. As I said this morning, it was the number one hit. Top the charts. He's platinum. I mean, if he's from Jumping Branch, he'd have been aluminum. <laughs> or duct tape from Roanoke. I mean, he's popular. They're singing his praises. But as he's going in and out, and he's over top of the men of the war, the Bible says he behaved himself more wisely. The sheep never danced. The sheep never sang his praises. But now... God's crown jewel of His creation is singing His praises and dancing. But yet He behaved Himself more wisely. Number two, David behaved Himself more wisely in the midst of persecution. Verse number 10, the Bible says, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand. Obviously Saul is called for him to come back into his presence. So now he's kind of like carrying out two roles. He's over top of the men of the war but yet Saul's having this issue again. I got to thinking about this and God has given David a skillful hand. A skillful hand to shepherd sheep. A skillful hand to slay what he needs to slay. But God has also given David a skillful hand to play something to minister. I got to thinking about this, you know. God has given us all some type of talent, some type of gift, and we ought to be exercising those. Are you exercising the God-given gifts and talents that He has blessed you with? I don't know what it could be tonight, but you need to discover it and you need to put it into action. God has not given you, I'll relieve you tonight, God has not given you the gift of gab and criticism and gossip. If you think that is your gift, you are wrong. If you don't like it, I'll meet you at the back door at the end and we'll open Proverbs and we'll take off reading. But God has blessed you with something to help edify other believers. God had blessed David with a skillful hand to play, to slay, and to shepherd. And he was not too high and mighty to leave the men of war to come back and minister to Saul. Notice what happens here. Played with his hand as at other times. But notice what was going to be in Saul's hand. A javelin. And Saul cast the javelin. For he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided and escaped out of his presence twice. In the midst of persecution... It says in verse number 14 and 15, David behaved himself more wisely. 
The Bible says in verse number 12 that Saul was afraid of David. That's crazy. Saul was the one in control. Saul was the one that had the throne. Saul was the one that was the real commander of the military. He was the one that was over top of the spears and the swords and the shields. Yet Saul is afraid of David. Why? His character, his conduct, his choices. He chose to behave himself more wisely. He's not going to stoop to that level. He's not going to go that direction. He's not going to compromise. He's not going to disobey. He desires to walk with Almighty God. God has blessed his hands and God has humbled his heart to behave himself more wisely in the midst of praise and popularity and persecution. Now, if I was sitting around trying to minister to somebody and help them and encourage them and edify them and see them brought up out of this, this depression-like attitude of anger and madness, and I'm trying to minister to them, and they pick up a javelin and cast it towards me, trying to nail my hide to the wall, I think I'd be getting out of there. Mm-hmm. I, I think, man, I, I'm done with this guy. The Bible says that David escaped him twice. If somebody, if, if Brian tried to nail my hide to the wall with a, with a javelin, I think, you know what, he's, he's kooky. Somebody needs to check his medicine cabinet. I, I'm not hanging out with him any longer. The friendship goes sour. But yet David still has a humble heart. Yet David is still behaving himself wisely. Yet David still wants to honor God. Now most Appalachian Americans said, you know what? You're going to meet my friend, Smith and Wesson. You're going to die lead poisoning. I'm going to empty the clip. I'm going to empty the revolver in you. And David could have killed old Saul. But then he would have been securing his own way to the throne rather than God's divine timing. He behaved himself more wisely. So in the midst of praise and popularity, in the midst of persecution, some guy, excuse me, the king of Israel, trying to nail his hide to the wall, the Bible says he behaved himself more wisely and the Lord was with him. Remind yourself of this. When that relationship is getting strained and pulled, whether it's a husband and wife or or a parent and, and a child or in the workplace, some family member, a neighbor, you behave yourself wisely. And remind yourself that God is with you. He is for you. And you can make it through because of God if you determine to behave yourself more wisely. David's a great picture of that. It's interesting. In the Psalms, there's many Psalms where where David is on the run. He's hiding out in a cave, cave of Dolom. He's out in the wilderness. He's trying to communicate with Jonathan. That that friendship is, is, is being strained because of his father. But yet in the midst of him him going through all of this, being pursued after, he still pursues God. 
So if a relationship in 2024 begins to sour, you pursue after God. You stay right with God. You behave yourself more wisely. You conduct yourself in a manner that brings glory and honor to God. You have integrity. You have fervency in the prayer closet. You stay in the book. You read the book. You study the book. You don't just read the book for conscience sake. You read the word of God for Christ's sake. Amen. Get in the prayer closet. If somebody sends you a text, you tell the devil, I'm going to stay in this text. I'm not going to be distracted by the things of this world. Just wrap yourselves around the throne of grace and say, God, help me to behave myself more wisely. Number three tonight, he behaved himself more wisely in the midst of being prey, being pursued and pain. We've already touched on it, but look at it tonight in verse number 29. The Bible says, And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. I, I just can't help but have a spiritual imagination. In David's mind, he, he goes back to the time he was strumming that harp, playing for King Saul, ministering to him, helping him, taking care of him. And now Saul's turned his back. Continually evil, mean, unkind. In fact, look at chapter 19 and verse number 1. What does Saul say to Jonathan? What does, what does Saul say to his son and to his servants? That they should find David a five-star all-inclusive resort? Bring him on in here. Let's give him a pedicure. Bring him on in here. We're going to take care of that boy. Bring him on in here. We're going we gonna to give him a, an ensuite. We, we, man, we're going to give him a Cadillac. No, we wouldn't curse him with a Cadillac. What's the Bible say? Three of you reading it. What's the Bible say? Kill him. If somebody said, hey, all of y'all, we're going to kill this man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> Brother, we're going to pray for you. I mean, I get, get nervous, right? I mean, you start coming up with a battle plan. You start trying to figure out a way. Who can you get in your corner? What, you know? See, so here's Saul saying to these people, to Jonathan, remember that friendship. He stripped himself of his sword, his bow, of his, of his military garments. So here, David. And now Jonathan is hearing from his own daddy, the king of Israel, let's kill David. Can you agree tonight that that relationship is soured, strained, Gone south, as some people would say. But right between verses 29 and 19, 1, the Bible says, David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by, highly esteemed. 
David's name. Boy, that reminds me of another name. Jesus' name. That ought to be the name that is highly esteemed. And because we highly esteem Christ's name, we desire to behave ourselves more wisely. Saul says, he's prey. We're going to kill him. We're going to do away with his life. We don't want him to breathe another breath. We don't want him around any longer. We're going to kill him. But yet, David behaves himself more wisely. Now, how many of y'all ready for the message tonight? Psalm 19, would you turn there? Psalm 19. Everybody got to turn there. If you didn't bring a Bible, cuddle up next, well, scoot over next to somebody and read off their Bible. Psalm 19. We're coming to the message. We've went from the front porch to the living room to the dining room and now to the dessert and we're about to go home. Y'all can smile on that one, right? Now, when you say a preacher's fix, when he preacher says he's fixing to land, you know that means 30 more minutes, right? <laughs> Psalm 19, verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day utter the speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Some of you think, preacher, where are we going? If we are going to behave ourselves more wisely, how are we going to learn to do that? Look at verse number 7. I love this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. And Now notice this phrase. Making the wise, making wise the simple. Excuse me. That's the message. How did David learn to behave himself more wisely? How did he learn to handle himself in a difficult situation? In a troublesome environment? Well, the Bible says of itself about God's law, it makes wise the simple. You're looking at a simple man. You're looking at a 36-year-old man now, but seventh grade, I quit school. Some of you say, you didn't have to tell me that. I heard it in your grammar. <laughs> I went on to get a, a GED, which stands for a good enough diploma. And then I went off to Bible college and I crammed four years into five. That'll catch up to some of you later. 
I'm a simple man. But you know what's helped me beyond any doctor, any liberal arts type of whatever that's found in the world? What's helped me more than science and math and all of these other subjects? The Word of God. How are we going to behave ourselves more wisely in 2024? We get into this book. It makes wise the simple. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. Man, it's, it's, you, you could meditate. You could chew on that. You could memorize that. You could just hide it in your heart. It'll help every aspect and area of your life with friendships, with your family, with your children, uh, in the workplace. Out so, I mean, it's the Word of God. It's going to help us. It ain't going to hurt us. It's like a hammer. Breaketh the rocks, but yet with a hammer you also build. It, tear down, it, it tears down our flesh. It tears down our carnal appetites. And it helps build up spiritual appetites. It's like water. It's like a mirror. Oh, man. It's the Word of God that's going to help us. So, old Jesse got the Word to David. David took the Word of God, and by the way, he didn't have 66 books, did he? He didn't have it in chapter and verse divisions like you and I've got it. At best, the first five books of the Bible. But it sure was a help to him. I wonder if he, if he just happened to read about Joseph and how the Lord was with Joseph when his brothers treated him so terribly. I just wonder if he, if he read about Moses and how Pharaoh was against him, but the Lord was with him. If the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with Moses and the Lord took care of David, he'll take care of us. Amen. But we have to determine that we're going to allow this book to make us simple people wise so that we behave ourselves more wisely in the midst of of the praise of men and popularity and some of you, oh, you ain't going to worry about me being popular. I ain't got TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and X World and Twitter and I don't have a YouTube page and everything and like such and mom and them, I ain't worried about that. But yet we all have our own hellhounds. We have our own flesh. We all have the arch enemy of Christianity, Satan himself. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil that's going against us. We have to behave ourselves more wisely. How's that going to happen? The Word of God. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.
the faith.